Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studio inside Max 6 Conscious Workspace in Tempe, Arizona, where we are back with a special segment of AZ TechCast with my co-host Steve Zalstra and our sponsor, the Arizona Technology Council. AZ TechCast is dedicated to covering innovation and technology in Arizona and beyond. Through the art of the connected conversation, AZ TechCast guests will share their expertise, success stories, news, and analysis about the region's leading startups, companies, and emerging technologies, as well as the critical issues and latest industry and economic trends propelling the state's growing technology ecosystem. Real leaders having real conversations about what's happening in technology sector across the state of Arizona. And with that, I'd like to welcome our guest today, today's economic experts, Jim Rounds, president of Rounds Consulting Group. Hi, Jim. Hello. Glad you're here. Dennis Hoffman, economics professor and director of, and I should have asked you ahead of time, Seidman Seidman Research Institute at the W.P. Carey School of Business. Great to be here. Thank you for your, thank you. Yeah. And tell me, how do I pronounce Seidman Seidman? Seidman. All right. I can do that going forward. Thank you again for being here. And George Hammond, economic and business research center director and professor at the University of Eller College of Management. Welcome, George. Thank you. Good to be here. And last but not least, of course, Steve Zalstra, President and CEO of the Arizona Technology Council. Hello. Hello, everyone, and uh, thanks to all our panelists today, uh, experts from around the state, and really looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, so on that note, let me kick this off. Today's topic is surely something that we're all thinking about, the economic forecast for 2020 and beyond And if we're not thinking about, we should be, right? At the start of 2020, most investors and economic analysts expected the 11-year bull market to continue. And then the spread of COVID-19 changed everything. There is a huge amount of uncertainty about the future of the outbreak, and it's difficult to predict what is going to happen economically. While the epidemic's economic impact is difficult to predict, we are on track for a major downturn. The question is really how bad and for how long? And I don't know that we can all, you know, figure that out sitting in this hour-long conversation today, but I'm looking forward to hearing about your thoughts, your perspective, and really even your suggestions. So on that note, let's just jump right in. Steve, I would love to start with you, with your experience and just talking to the Arizona Technology Council members, what are you hearing and what are you seeing? And then let's go from there. Well, I think, fortunately, the tech industry is probably holding up better than almost any other industry. There's a lot of reasons for that. They were more prepared, if you will, technologically. As you know, most states uh, did not shut down manufacturing, and there's a lot of manufacturing going on in, in Arizona in tech. Uh, semiconductors, aerospace-related, medical. So the tech industry is certainly impacted in a significant way, but probably faring better than almost any other industry. We've come to really rely on it in a way we never have before. And even in that impact, uh, some of which has been extremely positive, there's still a shift and a change. And others, there has been pivots that were unexpected, the fallback to where they had to pull back on employees and staff and and rework everything. There's been a lot of changes. What do you expect, Steve, as again, you talk to members of the tech council, what do you 
expect post-pandemic recovery is going to look like for some of these council members and really the industry sectors? Certain aspects of the tech industry will be continuing to work from home for some period of time, particularly the companies that are in the IT space, the software space. You know, it was a pretty easy pivot for them to bring everyone home. So I think some of that will continue into the future. You know, manufacturers need people. And uh, so I think uh, for the most part, manufacturing will uh, get back to its normal business. However, I think manufacturing in the U.S. and here in Arizona will benefit uh, in that there's a lot of reluctance to rely on international supply chains given this pandemic. So, you know, one of the great things about the tech industry and what's happened here in Arizona is um, that some of the pivots they made were to uh, address some of the issues we were facing. As you know, we didn't have enough uh, uh, personal protective equipment and uh, companies like Honeywell um, set up a, a line and hired 500 people to produce that. We had companies like OnSimi and Intel uh, donating millions of, of masks and it goes on and on. Uh, one of my members in Tucson Universal Avionics opened its um, manufacturing facilities again to produce PPE. So uh, I'm proud of the tech industry and what they've done to, uh, particularly here in Arizona, to, to support uh, the community, the state, the country. It makes me think of the last time we were together just a month ago, and we had we were really talking about the pandemic from more of a health concern and, right. again, the protective concern. So this is really a great follow-up. That was a fantastic conversation. I learned so much. And now today we're really focusing on the economy, right, and, and what's next. So let's open it up to everybody and, and feel free to, to jump in and, and ask questions as well. But what has surprised you most about COVID's impact on Arizona specifically? And we'll let any of you jump in. I guess I'll start. I think it wasn't so much the impact on Arizona, but it was the impact across the board. Uh, looking at the commentary back in February and then going into early March, uh, none of us were expecting it to cause the type of economic devastation that it did. But there's still a lot of uncertainty. And so there's a lot of stuff that we have to figure out. And, and my son came up and told me a joke and he said, what do you call a meteorologist with a calculator? And the answer was an economist. And I thought, ah, another economist joke. That's fine. But there's a difference between making a guess and an informed guess. And right now we're kind of in the middle because we don't know how long this pandemic's going to last. And to build on something that Steve said, so far the job losses have really been in the lower wage jobs. Uh, every recession typically starts off with uh, those workers that are easier to replace getting laid off. Uh, the high-tech jobs tend to last a little longer unless it's a very uh, long and devastating downturn. Then you'll see the higher-wage jobs lost. But right now, it's been more on the lower-wage side. Now, there's a whole, a whole slew of different public policy discussions around that itself, uh, impacting lower-income individuals. But if we can get through this, and it isn't going to last another couple of years, you know, we don't have a resurgence of the pandemic you know, two or three times, and we maintain these high-wage jobs, especially in high-tech, that creates the demand to have these restaurants go back into business. And they might be different businesses, but we're going to see a resurgence of the lower wage jobs coming back quickly if we can maintain this economic base. And I also agree there's probably going to be more people working from home. I love the fact that we can do important meetings like this uh, via Zoom or, or one of the other formats. 
where before if a client needed a 15 minute discussion, I'd be driving downtown spending an hour and a half. Now that'll still happen when you're doing consulting. But at the same time, I think that this is going to become the norm, which means there's going to be less office space that's going to be needed. We may end up having more investment in technology at the home level, but we have to figure out at the grander scale, like at the education level, K-12 and up, how do we make sure that people stay connected? And before I, I was a believer of the market will take care of things. If there was demand for internet, you're going to get it eventually. But I, I think that we have to be a little bit more proactive going forward. We set up a great economic foundation in the state since the last downturn, but I think we have to build on it. And I, I recently used an example of how my, my business was tough the first couple of years when I started it, but I reinvested in good people and in equipment and data packages, things like that. And then we're doing quite well. You have to invest in order to make money. And if the government wants to operate like a business, it's going to have to invest. So they'll have to listen to their own, uh, own commentary at some point. Yeah, I think uh, Jim makes uh, you know, a really good point and uh, is the fact that there's a huge amount of uncertainty about how things are going to progress from here. And also, there's a lot of uncertainty about even the, the impact of the outbreak and the stay-at-home orders thus far. So I think one thing to keep in mind as you listen to, to forecasters talk about the, what's you know, going to happen over the next month, the next week, the next year, is that there's, there are very large error bands around any, any forecasts at, at this point. So that's the first thing to keep in mind. In terms of the impact and, and the surprises in the impact, you know, it, it hit, the, I think, the sectors that a lot of us thought were going to get hit hard. You know, leisure and hospitality, hotels, motels, restaurants and bars, the recreation sector, retail got hit hard. I think one of the sectors that, that surprised a lot of us and, you know, me particularly was the, uh, the size of the impact on healthcare jobs. Those fell pretty significantly as, you know, dentist offices by and large shut down, doctor's offices, even hospitals laid off. And some of that was connected to the fact that the outbreak in Arizona wasn't as severe as, as um, the healthcare sector wanted to be prepared for. So kind of the reallocations of workers from different parts of the healthcare sector into to helping out with COVID cases by and large wasn't necessary here in Arizona. And those, those people wound up uh, without jobs. I think the good news there is that that's a sector with, uh, with enduring demand so that will return fairly quickly. But the, the other thing I try to keep in mind is that what's uh, gonna, one really important driving factor in the recovery is going to be how workers and consumers feel about going out and engaging in the same kinds of activities that they did before, right? Even though the stay-at-home orders have been lifted, it's going to be how comfortable are consumers in going out and shopping the way they were before, going out to restaurants, on vacations, uh, going back into those those same kinds of activities where they're going to be close to other people. So in terms of making people feel comfortable about that and as comfortable as possible, that'll be key going forward. And the same thing I think applies to workers, right? They, they have a choice about whether or not they're going to return to work. They can choose to stay home even if it costs them the expanded unemployment insurance benefits. So it'll also be important that employers um, do what they can to make workers feel safe um, and protected as much as possible. You know, there's no eliminating all risk and all catch who knows what at any time, and, and it can have significant impacts on our health. And it's about 
taking those measures that we can, informing people about the risks as far as we know it so they can make their own decisions about what they feel comfortable doing. Well said, George. Thank you. Dennis or Stephen, what do you have to add? So um, I, I get to be the old guy on the, on the forum here. This is year 41. I thought I'm losing count. It's year 41 at ASU. So I've seen a lot of the Arizona economy, monitored the national economy. And it begins with, of course, these are going to be historically horrible numbers. Numbers in terms of uh, declines in GDP, employment situation. Of course, we lost all the jobs that were gained since the Great uh, Recession, really, since the depths of the Great Recession. And so all those jobs are gone. All that GDP is gone. It's horrible, but it's really unusual. Um, A lot of this will come back, not all. A lot will come back. And so um, in, in, in kind of focusing exclusively on the Arizona economy, uh, I want to I kind of reinforce some of the things that George just said. It's just really difficult to know what consumer behavior is going to be like. And when the JLBC met in March, I read in some of the thoughts around the fact that this episode was going to result in 50% decline in new car sales for Q2. New car sales are down. Uh, they started out down in March. They started out down like 25%, and then they ended up down uh, in the last six weeks or so. They're only down about 11%. I just got sales tax numbers uh, for flows for, uh, for May. I think they're surprisingly good because I was fearing the worst. I had feared 20% or more decline for Q2. I'd seen some economists that thought we'd be down 40 to 50%. We're going to be down in the order of 13 to 14% in terms of the May over May numbers. You have to be careful. The model suggested that we are headed for a 6 to 7% rise over last May. Really, in terms of measuring how bad it is, you really ought to come off trend, not just what the level was last year. But at any rate, I think it's surprisingly good. The mix is interesting to me. The likely candidates, George is exactly right. On hotel, motel, it's 80% off. Amusement's way off. Um, restaurant and bar, I would have thought 60, 70% down, but I'm seeing more like 40% down in the preliminary DOR numbers that are just crossing the tape today. And uh, retail, Overall retail in terms of general merchandise and whatnot is kind of hanging in. So the question for all of us is, what's the pace of recovery? We know there's going to be a great big hole here, and it's going to be numbers that we haven't even thought about much. Um, You know, some things 50% down, and as Jim often reminds me, 50% down, you need 100% to get back, you know, once you're 50% down. So, um at any rate, that's going to be our challenge kind of looking forward. And uh, I think, you know, in terms of business, it's got to be wait and see. It's really going to be tough to be able to put capital in place, even though the economy needs folks to put capital in place. It's going to be exactly what George said. It's not about government to kind of just lift everything. Uh, it's going to be even when they lift everything, how are people going to feel about going back to work? How are they going to feel about going back to the stores? And is that going to be a you know, two, three quarter phenomenon? I keep thinking about springs. When are we going to have a normal Cactus League spring in the state of Arizona again? 
I bet not next year. But the real question is, can we possibly dream of one two years from now? Or is it going to take three years from now? Or is spectator sports reinvented and it's just done kind of the way we know it? Is it changed forever? I mean, these are all the big questions, right? And pace of vaccine, pace of, uh, of uh, you know, effective treatment, even without vaccine, all of those would be uh, – be relevant considerations. So it's going to be the science kind of leading science and then psychological behavior is going to uh, determine these economic outcomes. I've, I've stared at all the historical data. I find it almost useless, almost useless because this is so different than anything else we've had. Aaron, I would add to that, that the thing that businesses uh, hate more than anything else is uncertainty because they can't plan. Uh, it's difficult to forecast. So, you know, that's really the, the issue for rebooting the economy is that we just don't know how long it's going to last, how and the psychological effect it's going to have on people and when they're going to be re-engaging in the community and, um, you know, going to stores and going to work and so on. So that's the most difficult thing, I think, for business. I'm curious, as each of you are sharing, I'm thinking from a consumer perspective, and let's let's say that that we're safe to start coming back and, and you know, open up the lid and, and start back to normal, with whatever that is. I, I'm curious as to how you think or who you think is most influencing our decisions as mothers, parents, uh, neighbors, and we go back out and we're going to try the restaurant or we're going to go to some sort of event, we're going to take a, a trip. I go to, you know, this crazy thing that we've all come to love and hate, social media, right? And and, and are we influenced there? Is the government going to influence us? Because if we if we end up being safe, and even, even if we're not, we're, we're bombarded by information from all different places, just the common layperson. And I can't help but think we're not often, you know, taking the cues in, in the, the right direction. So thoughts about that? I, I guess it varies uh, depending on the situation. And I had to spend a little bit of time with some healthcare problems recently, and it was a multi-week case study on COVID responses, how hospitals are adjusting, how other uh, medical offices are adjusting. And I actually felt quite safe in every situation. You'd even go up to the counter and there'd be a cup that says clean pens. And after you sign in, you put it in the dirty pen cup. And then they wipe them down. You get up off the seat that's designated where you have three or four spaces behind between you and, and they wipe it down. And uh, I actually feel safer going to uh, some of those places that you'd be more worried about than, say, the grocery store and having people just wanting to be defiant and, and walk around and cough and not, not have masks on. So I think a lot of the responsibility falls on ourselves. Um, we can take advice from the government, but when the government says everything's open, it doesn't mean that everything is safe. We have to be smart. And I was for the economy reopening, but I completely qualified it vigorously that we needed a little bit of a campaign to explain the economy is open, but here's best practices. I wanted to see some ambassadors that work with the business community, talking to the restaurants, talking to other businesses, explaining the best way to operate, much like I saw at the hospitals and the doctor offices. So I think the experience is, is going to be different. Um, I think when people start to see uh, less risk, uh, those that lost their jobs are going to be looking for opportunities for jobs again. Those that haven't lost their jobs are very worried. But if they start to see that the employment numbers aren't falling as much, 
they'll feel a little bit better. But that also brings me to something that Dennis was saying when we have to talk about economic data. I had to do an interview where we were talking about what is a recovery. And well, there's different types of numbers to look at. So one is the fact that we're entering a phase where the declines aren't quite as severe. Well, that's only step one, but we're still seeing declines. Then you'll enter a phase where we're not declining and we start to see some small escalation. So that's where we hit the bottom. And then you see how long it takes to get back to that trend where we were before, like Dennis was saying, with the growth in in revenues, when do we get back to the previous forecast? So even when we talk about downturns and some of this economic data, we have to be very, very careful and clear about what it means because we're still going to be losing jobs. We're going to have massive GDP loss in the second quarter. It's going to continue for a while longer, but you want to look right now for, is it a little bit less than it was before? And, um, you know, just just something else that's complicated that we have to worry about. I think uh, Jim, to make it a really good point about it, it being time to, to start to reopen the economy. But the, the way I interpreted that was it, it was time to reopen the economy because now we believe that we have an ICU bed available for the people who might need it, right? doesn't mean that all the risk has gone away or even that the outbreak is necessarily under control, but we have the, the health facilities um, available for people. So people need to to continue to be careful. And if, if, if we are careful and, and thoughtful about how we do the reopening, then uh, there's no reason that we, we can't see the recovery continue, start and generate economic growth, job growth, income growth for Arizona's residents. Kind of the other thing that I, that I try to keep in mind these days is that a lot of what we're hearing about the outbreak is driven by where the outbreak is the worst. Right, so the national news is very focused on the East Coast, um, Michigan, some of the Washington when the when the outbreak started there. But I think it's important to keep in mind that you know Arizona has uh, has um, perhaps been hit a, a a bit less hard than than some of the other areas that are getting a lot of the news. And I think uh, some of those other areas that are driving some of the e- huge economic losses that we're seeing nationwide uh, that are driving the losses in the national numbers. And that's one of the reasons why I'm a bit, uh, over the, the past month or so, I've become a bit more optimistic about uh, how deep the, the downturn will be in Arizona. Um, for the household employment numbers that include the self-employed, they're down about uh, 10% from February. Um, nationally, those uh, comparable numbers are down about 16%. You also want to keep in mind that the economic data is a bit of a moving target, particularly in this sort of climate where things are changing so rapidly. So the, you know, the, the job data for March uh, showed, preliminary data showed a downturn of about 7,000 jobs. That got revised a month later to a loss of 20,000 jobs in March. So typically when we see employment level declining, we'll get downward revisions to the data that we've already seen. So that's another thing to keep in mind. But nonetheless, I'm, I'm uh, more optimistic these days that Arizona will outperform the nation, at least the the whole may not be as big as it is for the national economy, and I think we will. We have a good chance to see our recovery proceed at a faster pace than we'll see on average for the nation. I have a question for Jim. Uh, Jim, what you articulated sounded to me like a U-shaped recovery. Is that is that how you see it? That, that's how I still see it, but 
every character on your keyboard has been discussed in some article about how the recession is going to look. There was even a square root discussion for a while, but I, I'm still seeing you, uh, you know, which is following what we're seeing right now, which was a steep drop off, but then the declines are going to be less, of course, because the, you know, the larger declines would come first. And then we hit that bottom off period. And it's for me, the question is how long is the U flat at the bottom before we come back, because we're going to see really strong rates of growth just based on mathematics. Um, it, but it's, it, the question is, when do we get back to normal? And, and I think that the important question is, how well does the government manage the fiscal policy as well as you know individual households? But one of my worries is if we have a second phase of this and it becomes severe, then you wind up with what people called in the past the, the W-shaped recession, where you might have a bigger dip at first and then a smaller one later. But I don't even know if that would be a recession. I don't know if it'd follow the definition of a recession. It might just be slower growth. But I think it's just because I'm more optimistic. When we went into this, our economy was humming. We've done so much to improve in terms of public policy, tax policy, regulatory policy. And I, this last session, we were even making more headway. We were dealing with investment in healthcare, the healthcare industry. There's lots of opportunities to expand the tech side of that. We were talking about more investment in the universities. I got to brainstorm with Dr. Hoffman on that. And there are just so many great opportunities if we make some additional investments. But you also have to have the money available to do it. Um, but I, I, I still am a firm believer that we'll have one of the best decades in our history in the 2020s. It'll be in the second half, of course. If we maintain this economic uh, momentum that we have going forward, but we also strategically invest, like I was talking about, a business would invest. I'm going to take a moment. If I ask a question of Dennis, Uh, Dennis, Jim referred to, you know, depends on how the government manages this. How do you think the government has been managing it? What do you think about the, various stimulus packages and incentives and so on that have been put out there. Okay. Um, of course, we have the, the uh, benefit now of, of being able to look back a little bit. I've been ranting, uh, who, any, who anybody would listen to me, is that uh, we didn't focus early enough on where the, the most serious risks were. In the perfect world, I think this might have been more effective both uh, to minimize death and to uh, uh, stimulate the economy if we would have acted quicker, but not shutting down the economy quicker, uh, but finding a, a strategic way to minimize risk where people have death rates of 30 and 40%. And that's in our elder care facilities, assisted living facilities, even individuals that are at home. And, you know, picture a model where we spent massive amounts of money to deliver assistance uh, to those care providers, uh, even asking them to shelter in place with the people they're caring for. And, and the only way you can convince them to do that is, uh, is pay them, you know, triple, I don't know, quadruple their current wage and take care of their families while they're doing that rather than this notion of shut everything down. And then once you've shut everything down, you've got to bring government aid quite legitimately to everything that you've shut down to try to make them whole. And uh, so I guess what I'm talking about a little bit is more 
kind of the Swedish approach, but uh, Sweden didn't handle their elder care facilities very well either. And, you know, there's no perfect solution to this. And I'm not saying young people don't get this disease. They just, frankly, they just don't have the fatalities at anywhere near the, the rates that uh, people at high risk do. And the numbers are staggering on that count. So uh, you asked me, you know, uh, about uh, a proper response. I think things could have been done differently, and I think we would have uh, somewhat different outcomes. And I don't think we would have this economy-wide or population-wide just fear of this virus. Now, maybe this, you know, maybe fear is good. Uh, but what I'm talking about is my generation. You know, I think we need to be sheltering in place. I don't need government aid personally. That's not what I'm saying. But there are folks in my age group that do, and they're insistent living or they're they're living by themselves. I don't think we laser focus on where the risks were. I, I think that's spot on. Um, I, on the front end of the stimulus, uh, if I would have flown a helicopter over each of the major cities and just pushed a bunch of money out the door, it would have been just as effective as, as what happened because they didn't really think about how businesses work. You know, a lot of people didn't think about how uh, about a third of uh, a restaurant's costs, uh, all-in costs, uh, is, is labor, but it has a lot of other costs too. But I, 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 I still, I, I think that maybe it could have been because we were thinking that this was going to be shorter term, and having a couple of months to get a business through a restaurant through this problem would have helped. We had the same problem with tourism, where it's going to be a much longer play. Uh, a report that we just finished for the Office of Tourism. Uh, it shows just massive economic losses. Two-thirds to three-quarters of the activity is being lost this year. But on the bright side, if we get just 10% of our forecasted loss, the, the loss that we're incurring now, back, that's $100 million in state tax collections. So we were making an argument that maybe for a couple or three years, we have to double or triple the tourism budget and get some of the domestic travel, which is going to come back first. So, you know, just to, just to expand, each industry has its own story. I was very disappointed, though, because I feel like despite these very mathematical and economic arguments on tourism and restaurants, uh, not everybody is listening. That's frustrating, but it's part of public policy. You know, our job is to give advice and half the time it's ignored and half the time, you know, people listen to us. I agree with Dennis. I think it has to, it, it needs to be more focused going forward. And, and, and that's the plan right now that I've been reading. I think that's a good point that the, the policy should be more focused going forward. And I think one of the focuses going forward should be testing, tracing, making sure that we, we have a handle on who is, is getting the disease, doing more testing on, on people in high risk occupations and areas makes um, you know, a, a huge amount of sense at this point. I'm going to ask us to pause for just a moment so that I can give a shout out to our sponsor for the May's episode of AZ TechCast. I would be remiss if I missed that opportunity. We want to thank Arizona Technology Council, the only statewide organization serving the technology sector. Arizona Technology Council fosters a climate of innovation to enhance technology in Arizona. A trusted resource in strengthening Arizona's technology industry, the council proactively eliminates impediments that companies face, accelerates the entrepreneurial mindset in the state's expanding innovation ecosystem, and advocates for legislation focused on business and technology 
to grow the state's economy and works to create destination for innovative companies to be, thrive, and stay. And it's a perfect opportunity to share that as we've discussed really the different, uh, you know, the, the opportunity to bring Arizona back to where, where we need it to be. And as some of you have spoke to, uh, really the hope and the, uh, the forecast that, that, that there's a real possibility there. Let's talk investment. I know, Jim, uh, you spoke to that a little bit. Stephen, what, where are angel investors in this? How important is that going to be as we, as we come back and, and we support businesses? Well, as you know, the legislature shut down prematurely. Jim talked about some of the, the policy that's been put in place that has helped this economy grow. Uh, we were able to get uh, an, a 10-year extension on the research and development tax credit before things closed down. And uh, we have, happen to have the best R&D tax credit in the nation. Uh, we almost had the angel investment tax credit uh, across the line, but uh, didn't quite get it. We're hoping to make the case uh, there's going to be a special session in the legislature, and there's going to be some sort of economic stimulus that the legislature looks at. And uh, we're hoping to make the case that to uh, refire the entrepreneurial community, we're going to need to get that angel investment tax credit extended. We're trying to extend it for 10 years. It, uh, it sunsets next uh, June 30. So we've got, uh, you know, just a little bit over a year to get that done. So one of the things that often happens uh, during a downturn is people who have lost their jobs finally decide to go start that company uh, that they were going to start. Happens during or after every recession, during or after every recession. And uh, I'm not sure about this one. You know, it's so different. It would really be good to get the opinion of our economists on the panel. You know, what's going to happen to entrepreneurship? Uh, well, well, I've been a strong supporter of everything that Steve's been doing with the Tech Council and in particular the angel investment program. What's better than hooking up private sector money with private sector entrepreneurs? And I think that there will be opportunities. I, I do feel like uh, there'll be a number of smaller businesses starting up. and well, the restaurants will have to wait for there to be base sector demand. But on the high tech side, you know, the entrepreneurs on the high tech side, uh, we need to continue to support that because they're the ones where you create one job, you create another two in other industries through the multiplier effect. And that can just get higher and higher depending on if, you know, the extent that it's entrepreneurial. I'm really hoping, I, I didn't realize that it was at risk, but I'm really hoping that uh, uh, we can not only maintain it and extend it, but I'd like, I'd like to see the program expanded. Uh, so count me in when you want to look at that. I, I think, I just think it's, it makes economic sense. It's good public policy and maybe we just need to market it a little bit more, but the tech council's already been doing a great job of that for the last several years. Yeah, there has, there has been an economic impact study done in, um, you know, in the last five years, uh, over a billion dollars in economic consequence from that or, or from the angel investment tax credit. So uh, entrepreneurship uh, is an interesting issue. Uh, I've got several thoughts. The first is, is to remind the audience, of the, my colleagues certainly know this well, but remind the audience that uh, in, a, in a healthy capitalist system, uh, there's both uh, business creation and business destruction all the time. It's ongoing. And that's, that's part of a, a healthy business ecosystem. 
And so one of the challenges that we've got with, uh, with, with shutting down the economy and some of the, jo- some of the businesses that were shut down invariably were shut down were businesses that were headed out anyway. Now that that's not a, a, the majority. And, and there was no way to avoid this issue. Once you've shut down the entire economy, you've got to breathe life into everybody to try to get it back. Otherwise, it just simply isn't fair. But the fact of the matter is uh, some businesses that would have naturally gone by the wayside this year are probably still sustained by government aid. They're going to have to find a natural outcome, either positive or negative, uh, following this episode. They may be clogging the system a little bit, if you, if you follow me. But now let's let, let me make a point on exactly the opposite side of this issue, and that is the fear of the, the human behavior, both, both on the part of the worker and the consumer, this concern over the virus has created a world of opportunity around jobs that spring up and technologies that spring up around uh, cleanliness or creating environments or designing environments or designing experiences where people feel safer. And I, I think, think about spectator sports. What's it really going to look like going forward? I mean, it was already, I don't know about you all, but it was, I mean, television is such an uh, unbelievable experience if you're a sports fan. I was getting to the point where I was really wondering, why am I buying these tickets? Why am I going, you know, putting up with this security thing that's just crazy. There's lots of negatives to attending spectator sports, you know, maybe that's going to look really different going forward. I don't know what the outcome is, but I'll bet some entrepreneur right now, Steve, is is working on it. So, Absolutely. Dennis and, and Jim make uh, make great points. And the, the thing that stands out to me, is, as they both mentioned, are the opportunities that, that this kind of a shock generates. Um, you know, I'm I've been going back and forth on this over the past couple of months about how permanent the impacts will be. And in these days I'm leaning towards, you know, this is a, this is a for now situation. We just got to figure out a way to get to the, to the long run, to the forever situation. And that, um, you know, there, there may not be so many enduring um, impacts in terms of the way people act. I think people were, we're pretty happy with the way the world was before the outbreak, and they'll they'll be looking to go back to ball games and, and football games and restaurants and bars and stay in hotels and, and visit other countries. And uh, you know, I don't know about you guys, but I'm uh, after two months of waiting thirty seconds for a file to save over the VPN at home. I'm I'm happy to be going back to work. <laughs> you know, um, the governor um, has been having lots of press conferences and. Uh, and also calls with the business community, which I've been fortunate to be on. Maybe some of you have been as well. Um, in one of those, he he said that he had talked to the CEO of, uh, he didn't say which company, but some big box company who had done some uh, extensive analysis about, you know, how people were going to come out of this. And what he said is that 30% of the population is going to stay locked down. The fear is just not going to allow them to go out. 30% of the population uh, wanted to be out a long time ago and, uh, you know, didn't like the restrictions and are, are ready to re-engage. But the 40% in the middle don't know yet, right? 
you know, that's another part of the uncertainty, right? So what is that 40% going to do? Are they going to follow the folks with great fear or the folks that want to get back to work? Who knows? Yeah, and that's a that's a really good point. I think you know one of the opportunities that we haven't we haven't mentioned yet is delivery services. You know, I think there are a lot of people who have been getting their groceries delivered, particularly in that thirty percent group that you talked about, uh, Steve. Um, yeah. They're they've been experimenting, forced to experiment with getting their groceries delivered. I bet they have had a pretty good experience. I know we did, um, and that may be one of the enduring things. You know, it's nice to get that stuff. Uh, delivered as opposed to having to to track out to the to the grocery store, and that's in line with. Uh, so as as we're working on how to mitigate the downturn, we have to also at the same time walk and chew gum and work on the recovery. And so you know that gets back to the uh, discussion about angel investors and a lot of the other things that we're talking about. You know, people innovating, but it's hard to know what kind of public policy to put into place. I'm kind of hoping that before too long, I mean, we're talking about, you know, some economic package uh, in, in, in the special session that we're anticipating, but I think we need to push for this all the way into the next uh, session, the, at the end of the year, doing research, going into the next year. Uh, I think we have to stay engaged. Um, in the past, even this last 10 years, where we had to really change the way we do things, it was still piecemeal. You know, every year for a couple or three months, additional research would be done. I think we need to be on this on a pretty regular basis. I think we have to be talking about the opportunities, the risks. One of the most important things to think about is, is what Dennis said earlier, is that there's a nat- natural churn in businesses. And there's no amount of money that we can spend to save all the businesses from going under. In fact, it would be highly inefficient. We have to make sure that we have good public policy that allows a stronger economy to make it easier for even the restaurants and bars, but also the innovators to come back. It's just how economics works. We, we, we can't throw money at everything and it's unfortunate. And I understand the problems and the frustration out there, but we do have to blend public policy with the natural flow of economics. Regarding the opportunities that this kind of situation creates, we've talked about some of the industries and uh, sectors how about IoT and renewable energy? How can that help kickstart the economic recovery? Do we have any insight there? I can sort of start that. Um, you know, we are growing sort of a IoT hub here. Uh, we've got um, two large corporations in uh, Abnet and Benchmark who are almost exclusively focused on IoT. Abnet did a pivot after it sold its computer business. In fact, my board member from Intel is uh, the GM on IoT for Intel and specifically focuses on the industrial side. But, uh, you know, Intel's IoT center of excellence is here in Chandler. So uh, there's a lot of academic research going on at both uh, ASU and U of A uh, in that area. So I I think that's a, a growing component of our technology sector. And then there's been a lot of policy work going on. We've been engaged with it around clean energy. The Arizona Corporation Commission has been doing uh, hearings over the last year. Um, Many, many years ago, they set a mandate of uh, 15% of our power coming from uh, clean energy by was it 2005, I think, and we're already at 13 or 14%. 
and now they're looking at trying to uh, maybe have uh, 50% by 2030. So that in itself will help drive innovation and activity and so on. And uh, so I'm, I'm hopeful about uh, the energy sector. And then somewhat related to that is the fact that uh, we're building a, I don't know what you want to call it, a transportation hub here, uh, electric vehicles with Nikola and Lucid. Lucid's uh, plant is about to go live. It's developing and uh, has developed and is going to be manufacturing a high-end electric vehicle to compete with Tesla. So uh, I'm, I think both of those sectors are going to uh, help lead us out of this in the longer run. To piggyback uh, Steve's thoughts on energy, uh, I, you know, and it's because it got announced during this pandemic, it's just way under the radar. But we are going to make national headlines over the next several years. We're manufacturing gasoline in Casa Grande using natural gas. You know, that just is far, far cleaner than conventional gasoline. I understand it's a using a fossil fuel. So it's not completely renewable, but it is far cleaner than, uh, you know, than anything that goes on now. The, the oxygen content is, is high. The sulfur emissions are zero. They actually create water in the manufacturing process. Uh, they're building the facility on alfalfa fields that's currently drawing groundwater out. They're not going to draw out any groundwater. They're going to use wastewater from the Casa Grande treatment plant and then recycle it. So um, all of this kind of piggybacks uh, with this, hey, we're a leader in innovative 21st century, cleaner and cleanest energy. Uh, you know, I just think it's, a, it's, a, it's tremendous. I just think there's going to be a lot of small uh, businesses that kind of spin off around that being uh, – the, uh, the marketing of that fuel here, I think it's going to be Arizona's gasoline. It's going to be, you know, some kind of Arizona brand. And it's a huge plant. It's $3 billion in Casa Grande. And uh, if, if you read some of their perspective, they're talking about another $6 billion in Kingman. So, you know, we could be, um, we, we could be really be at the forefront of uh, being a leader in clean energy worldwide, really sending that signal. So, no, I think the future is really, really bright in terms of, uh, terms of Arizona business. Yeah, one of the, one of the things that, that I've been thinking about a little bit these days, particularly as the outbreak has been so severe in the, in the Northeast, there's been a lot of, a lot of talk about, uh, you know, whether or not that would boost migration into Arizona. We all know that um, migration and population growth are very important to Arizona's economy historically, and, and it still is, is today with the construction real estate industries still matter. It will be interesting to see uh, what happens to net migration into the state over the next year or two as the, you know, the at-risk populations in the Northeast start to think about whether or not they want to stay in those high-density areas. And, you know, of course, they traditionally, the Northeast sends most of its migrants to the Southeast, to Florida, South Carolina, North Carolina. Um, but they may start to, there may be an opportunity there for Arizona to attract some more migrants, particularly in those age groups. And Arizona tends to draw most of its migrants from the West, particularly California and Southern California. So 
Um, you know, who knows what happens to, to that economy and to outbreaks in that area going forward, but there may be opportunities there to, to see additional people um, choosing Arizona as a, as a migration destination. By the way, Dennis and I are both uh, Midwesterners. Uh, we actually grew up in adjoining towns. Rivals, rivals. Rivals. <laughs> we beat you every year, didn't we? We beat you like a drum, didn't we, Steve? <laughs> it depends on what year you're talking about. <laughs> but uh, he is older than me, by the way. I think he already claimed that spot, so. <laughs> yeah, I know. One year. <laughs> Jim, thoughts, anything that you want to add to what we're talking about here? Well, I, again, I'm a believer in walking and chewing gum at the same time and patting your belly or your head or however that thing goes. We, we can work on more than one thing. And, and we're dealing with, uh, we were talking about renewable energy, electric vehicles. We've been doing some work in the past on autonomous vehicle opportunities. There's going to be some opportunities for some more advanced healthcare development. Uh, one thing that I thought was cool in, in some of the uh, U, U of A uh, budget documents was talking about whether or not there could be uh, just this massive immunology hub that's, you know, a, a, a center much like uh, I think the area around UT is related to cancer research. So there's different things that we need to work on. There's different policies that impact each of the industries, but good economic foundations and being thoughtful will indeed uh, induce additional economic development. And, and when I started at the Capitol at, at Dennis's recommendation, many, many years ago. Uh, I, I remember having a chance to run across the street several times and somebody wanted to talk about how we can grow the economy. And every discussion ended up with three or four notes on a tax cut. Then we got into economic development. Then we got into regulatory items. And now we're really talking about investment in workforce and infrastructure and other things. So we are maturing. I think we're becoming major league in terms of how the economy is working here. And again, that's why I'm so bullish, but we have to make sure that we stay committed to continuing to grow. And it's not just quantity, it's quality. Uh, it's great that we lead the nation in terms of job growth, or we're top five in a lot of the categories. I'd really like to see our incomes go up compared to a lot of our metros. And to do that, we're going to have to be working on the same things that each of the other panelists work on every day. If I could follow up on that, on autonomous vehicles, of course, Waymo's been testing here in Chandler for almost five years. Two Simple's been running Class 8 trucks between Phoenix and Tucson for three years. They all have an operator in them, but they're essentially uh, uh, self-driven. You mentioned uh, delivering groceries. There's a company called Starship that has been on ASU's campus delivering groceries. We just had them uh, on last week. Yeah, because of the, because of the pandemic. They had to pivot, so now they're delivering groceries to households in Tempe, and it's an autonomous robot that uses sidewalks. We were involved with some of the policy work a couple of years ago that allows them to go down uh, sidewalks. Uh, again, Intel Center of Excellence for um, Autonomous Vehicles is here in Chandler, and lots of academic research going on. So we are, again, becoming a, uh, a leader in, uh, in that space, which you know, is just going to grow over the next 10 to 20 years. So combined a concept that, uh, that you talked about, George, with one Jim talked about, brought it together. Yeah. Excellent. Can you believe it's already been a full hour? <laughs> it goes very fast when we have these conversations. And, and uh, I want to thank you all again. I, one of the 
areas that I kind of wanted to touch on, especially with our professors from the universities, was around history, how this situation, this pandemic, this pause compares to 2008 and even the Great Depression. But with only five minutes, is it even fair to ask that question? Can, I, can, can one or both of you just give us maybe a, a couple little nuggets around that? We can go over, like we're not tied uh, uh, with... Um, AM, FM radio, we can go over if you want to, but I would love just to touch on that because as a former educator myself, K, K-8, I think back when I was teaching an assistant principal, how fascinating that'll be years from now to talk about this, right? And so you, you two are there right now at a much higher level, uh, but could you speak to that for just a few moments, both of you? How does this compare and can we compare to both 2008 and then the Great Depression? Well, I'll do uh, real quick on, you know, to, when I think of 2008, I think construction, I think real estate. Uh, and it was a massive job loss, absolutely stunning job loss. But the unemployment rate didn't go up near as high as the, as the job loss would suggest because the people that lost their jobs left the state and, my, and some of them left the country. This one's completely different. Service industries have sustained us and did sustain us uh, through a lot of the, the Great Recession downturn. So uh, medical uh, and, and then small business uh, population growth service provision, they sustained us. They've taken a, a real hit here, uh, unusually and unfortunately in the hospital sector. Hospitals will come back. We need them to, to come back. Healthcare will come back. Uh, it's that small business uh, service sector that's going to be the interesting one to watch. Some will come back, some simply won't. Some are just going to have to reinvent themselves. Yeah, I think that's, I, I think that's right. Thank you, Dennis. Um, yeah, the, you know, what, the 2008-2009 downturn, we used to call it the Great Recession, but we can't anymore because it's been supplanted. Uh, for a while, I thought I was going to call the 2008-2009 period the Great Financial Crisis, but I'm afraid to do that because I'm worried about the, what's going to happen next with this downturn. But, um, you know, Dennis and, and Jim are really right that this is different from previous downturns, right? I think of it more as a sudden stop. It's not something that was driven by imbalances in the economy. It was really and truly an, a, kind of an external shock. And that means it's, it's working its way through the industries in a completely different way. And that's important to keep in mind. From what I can see, we're headed towards something that's uh, at least as bad, maybe a little worse than what happened in 2008, 2009. Um, Hopefully not as bad as the Great Depression of 29 to 33. But in any case, it's a very, very different uh, downturn. And it'll, you know, that means that the kind of indicators that we're going to want to track for the recovery are going to be a little bit different. We uh, in my center run a a nice little website called azeconomy.org all one word, azeconomy.org. And what we're doing there now is we've stood up um, a set of weekly indicators that will help us track how consumers are acting in terms of going back to restaurants, um, going back into movie theaters, traveling on airplanes, uh, driving around, running errands, going to work, uh, that kind of thing. So I'd encourage the listeners to, to check that out. We update the, the data as it becomes available each week. You also find the initial unemployment claim uh, data there as well. You both did a great job. <laughs> Thank you. I, I'm sure that you have much more to share in the comparison as well as the historical situations that we've been through. But thank you for that. And, and I know Steve and I are already thinking, when can we get these folks back on, right? <laughs> That's right. 
So what I'm hearing, just to kind of summarize, I'm hearing each of you say that we really have a positive outlook for Arizona. That's what I'm getting. (laughs) But I'm also rainbows and lollipops kind of gal. So I'm always looking for the silver lining. Jim and I talked about that before we went on air. Lasting thoughts, if you would, please. I'll go around with each of you as we close out today's segment. If you would please just, you know, share what what your last thought is, maybe something that you hadn't had a chance to share yet that you feel is important. And then if you could please, uh, like George just modeled, share with us uh, where we can stay in touch with you. And it will be on our podcast as well once it's a replay, but would love to have each of you close it out with final thoughts. Steve, can you start for us? Sure. Well, first, I want to express my appreciation, Karen, for you. you. do such a great job at moderating these. And gentlemen, thank you for being on the panel today. You met all of our expectations. We really appreciate your time. I'm um, very lollipops and stars about the tech industry, right? It is Uh, going to help this economy. Uh, Jim spoke earlier that things have changed significantly since the Great Recession. And part of that has been the growth of the tech industry, more diversification in our economy. And as a consequence of that, uh, I share the view that uh, Arizona is going to come out of this much better than it did in 2008 and probably much better than the rest of the country. Great. And Stephen, where can we find AZ Tech Council and keep an eye on you on LinkedIn as well? Sure. Uh, aztechcouncil.org. You can get a hold of me at szylstra at aztechcouncil.org. Just as Steve said, I'm very, very bullish on Arizona in the long run. I think Jim uh, um, you know, made an excellent point about where we need to be investing, um, particularly in workforce as we move forward. Um, you know, Dennis has made some, some great points as well about industries that are that are going to really make the news uh, in the in the near term, but in the long run, Arizona will come out of this. I think uh, significantly sooner than the na- than the national economy, faster than most states, and we'll be back to to growing rapidly again soon. To uh, keep in touch with us, uh, visit azeconomy.org, and you can also follow us on Twitter uh, and Facebook. Um, just Google us, and and you'll find us. Thank you, George. Okay, I'll uh, give it a shot. Somebody can send me an email, by the way, and tell me how to turn off notifications with that stupid chime. That's why I'm muting myself here. <laughs> At any rate, I'm optimistic. I think there's one data point I didn't give you. It looks like Q2 withholding collections are only going to be down about 1% over last year, which wow. I think is phenomenal. With all this job loss, we are, uh, we're, we're holding a that we're, we're bucking a big trend. Now, again, we were headed for a 6% increase in withholding, and now we're going to be down one. So that's, if, you know, if, if you're puzzling over that could be possible, but it's, it's against trend is the way you're going to think of it. Um, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. This went off with a switch. If we, um, you know, if we get really strong signals, and you can see how people become much more optimistic when there's rumors of a vaccine, you know, if we could get a key remedy or treatment, um, you know, magic bullet kind of thing or a vaccine that would allow people to feel safe, you know, more or less overnight, then we can be more U-shaped like Jim's talking about. I kind of think Nike swoosh, you know, take a little time. I, I don't really know what the slope of the the swoosh is going to be, but uh, I'm, I'm thinking we get back to trend, you know, right now, worst case, two to three years from now is the way I'm trying to simulate it. And I'm just very hopeful, but it's been uh, great being, being here. Uh, 
with, uh, with, with, with everyone today and getting to see my colleagues again and sharing these thoughts. So thank you all very much. Thank you, Dennis. Dennis, real quick, can you tell us uh, where's a, the best place to keep an eye on, on what you and your team have going on? Well, it's, it's easy. It's theseedmaninstitute.com. Uh, I would also have you uh, Google Job Growth USA and search for Seedman Institute, Job Growth USA. You can see the latest job numbers from across the nation, by metro, by state, by year, by business activity. Uh, it's, it's a great resource uh, for you to look at, and we provide it uh, without subscription. We're not uh, uh, particularly savvy on our subscriptions here, but at any rate, it's a, it's, um, a great for you to have. So yeah. there goes my chime again. <laughs> I'm out. It's the only time I heard it, and uh, so you, you've done a great job muting, and uh, thank you. I'm so glad I asked where we can keep track because that's, that's incredible information. And last but not least, Jim, last thoughts, and where can we uh, keep track of what you're up to? Well, uh, those were great summaries, so I don't want to repeat them. I I agree. I'm more bullish. I've heard estimates of the recovery between one and six years. I don't see an economic scenario where it's going to take that long. I'm bullish on the rest of the decade. I think we have a lot of things going for us, and I think we have policymakers that are starting to listen to this kind of next generation way of doing public policy. So let's be optimistic and keep pushing forward keep being feisty. Uh, in order to follow us, uh, our website is uh, um, uh, roundsconsulting.com. Uh, we post our interviews and the fun part is on Twitter, which is Rounds Consult. That's where I tend to get a little bit feisty and I have to have a couple of friends as my Twitter police tell me if I post something that's a little too obnoxious. But if you don't kind of push the edge of that envelope, you don't have as much influence. So sometimes it's nice to have that ability in the private sector to be a little obnoxious on occasion when you feel like you're in the right. Love it. Thank you all. Listen, if you gentlemen can stay with me after we go off air, we'll just have a proper goodbye. I know Steve would like to thank you all again personally, and uh, we'll take a photo or two. Kind of different. One one thing I want to add is that next month on TechCast, we're going to have all three university presidents and uh, they're going to talk about the future of education, uh, which is also changing, as we all know. So uh, really looking forward to that. So good. Thank you for promoting that. That's excellent. So stay with us after we go off air. And again, today's AZ TechCast is brought to you by the Arizona Technology Council, Arizona's only statewide organization serving the tech sector dedicated to strengthening and accelerating the innovation and entrepreneurial mindset already present in our expanding innovation ecosystem, which, of course, we highlighted several times today. Sponsorship opportunities are available for this program. So if you're interested in being a podcast participant or a sponsor for the Council's AZ TechCast, please contact marketing at aztechcouncil.org to lock in your opportunity to further position you as a tech expert, influencer, and innovator. Some media leans left, some lean right. This is Karen Nowicki with Business Radio X, and we lean business. Until next time, we'll see you soon. Bye for now.